Hey everybody, welcome to episode 9 of the Combat Chain Podcast. I am your host, Adam Philipchuk, alongside Pat Shaw. And uh, how's it going today, Pat? Adam, it is good to be here on this third attempt at episode 9. Uh, I can't wait to successfully complete this one. And uh, I, am, I am enthused and ready to go. Yeah, this is... Uh... This is take three of episode nine, our third attempt at actually, yeah, actually getting this been, thing out. There's been a little gap in content, but it's not for a lack of trying. That is for sure. We teamed up with As of Go Again Gaming to do a four-hour Everfest set review, every single card. And we teamed up uh, with Russ, a.k.a. Tap from the Brew Tap Cast podcast, uh, Tommy Fresh of the Fresh and Buds con, uh, podcast and the uh, indomitably handsome Matt Flake of the Instant Speed podcast. He really is just a, just a sight for sore eyes. <laughs> uh, but the uh, six of us got together and slogged through every single card. Uh, and that video is up on Az's uh, YouTube channel. So by all means, uh, take a look, like and subscribe to his channel. Uh, to see all his videos and our wonderful faces uh, in in that in that video, uh, it was four hours is a long time, but we had we had done one right. We did a we were halfway through our review, maybe less than halfway, and that that pod was like two plus there where we were just like, oh man, that's this is going to be a long time. So we had that part one in the can. And uh, then the ever the you know this opportunity came after we recorded, right? So we we wanted to jump on that. It's uh, it's a great opportunity for us to meet these guys that we've been uh, interacting with on Twitter and Discord uh, previously. So to be able to collaborate with them was a big uh, opportunity for us. So we jumped on that and we said we'll make this our set review and it looks like moving forward we may have uh, some sort of collaboration in the future with uh, future sets so that's something uh, definitely to look forward to uh, but Adam speaking of spicy things on YouTube I don't want to give away too many uh, too much details here but we at the command chain podcast have something spicy in the works for the folks uh, on YouTube don't we yeah we uh we are going to be doing our first gameplay video. Oh, uh, yes. I don't know how much how much am I allowed to say. I think that's it. That's all I want to want to give. I gave a little little taste uh, on Twitter with a picture, and uh, I think that's that's all we can all we want to give. We will leave a lot of questions and uh, really entice them, really reel them in with the mystery. Is that picture? You know, speaks a thousand words, and uh, I think we're we're gonna do something pretty unique and special. Uh, I certainly haven't seen it on on YouTube before, so uh, you know we are uh, completing the uh, the post production of it right now, and it should be up in the next couple days. Yeah, and I think Ish. I'll just finish off with like it's without without giving anything away. This is uh, the this 
deck, this matchup, this format is very near and dear to my heart. It is such a fun format to play. So the fact that we're starting off our uh, our gameplay videos with uh, with one that I appreciate as much as I do and I think is as integral to the backbone of of, of flesh and blood. Um, yeah, excited to share it with everyone. And of course, uh, we want you to uh, like and subscribe uh, at the Combat Chain YouTube channel. If you just search the Combat Chain, uh, you'll be able to see us there. And uh, as uh, part of our push onto YouTube, we do have our 100 uh, subscriber giveaway. Uh, we're at 100 subscribers. We'll be giving away uh, some Game Genic deck boxes. We got some BCW Elite Guard uh, deck sleeves, and the coup de gras, Adam, is a cold foil data doll. Cold foil. Mm-mm-mm. That's a spicy one right there. So, at 100 subscribers, uh, we will randomly select. If we expand the the uh, the, the gift selection, um, will basically everyone gets randomly selected, uh, and uh, however many gifts we have, one goes to each person. So right now we're at four. So four lucky pe- people uh, will be getting some random uh, uh, some random stuff. And this is coming from our our this is our our stash, and this is our this is our skin in the game. This is our from our collections out to you because we want uh, we want you to. We want you to watch us. We want you to listen to us, and uh, we're looking for those for those uh, those numbers. So, like, subscribe, put your bell notifications on. Let's do this, Pat. How was uh, how was your week in Fab? Well, this is the longest week ever, isn't it? Uh, so, last time we did a week in Fab was sometime late in January. So, this is like a week. Uh, you know, this is almost like two and a half, three weeks. Um, but I will say. Uh, is not hasn't been great for for us uh here here in pat's house uh i so ended january on bravo uh made it to the conference finals i guess if you will of the kitchen table uh discord construction uh, classic constructed league lost to uh, a prism player just it was uh, we i knew when it was happening that it was it wasn't gonna last. So uh did that and uh once uh February kicked off I went back on to Katsu. Uh Katsu's my basically my main hero. Um and uh was getting ready for Everfest. You know, obviously we did the uh reviews. I had a good idea of what was happening, looking forward to building Katsu. So before the official release I put it into action. Uh won some, lost some, and then Everfest came around and uh built built it up and uh it's really been downhill from there uh hasn't hasn't been great uh for katsu so uh i've taken my lumps over the next last two weeks or so and uh uh i'll say this uh i put captain planet together we'll talk about more <laughs> talk about that more uh but i think katsu's taken enough beatings for for this meta uh and me if if uh if a better player cracks the code, then I might jump back on. <clears throat> but until then, uh, yeah, rode Katsu into the ground the last three weeks, and I'm gonna give him give him a rest moving forward. So my, you know, our next weekend fab update will probably be about a different hero. Uh, Adam, how about yours? How was your weekend fab? 
ups and downs. Uh, won, won some armories. Uh, absolutely bombed in others. Uh, probably the highlight was it was on Monday that I found out that I had cracked up into the top 13 of the 90 day uh, global uh, global XP. And, Congratulations! Uh, yeah, so that was kind of a cool little accomplishment. I, I have been working hard it's to try no to joke. That's uh, that's what top top anything is is big the uh, top 13 is a lot of a lot of hard work so congratulations you've earned it cool thank you had that little accomplishment but that was uh that was pretty probably it uh the other big one we'll uh uh we'll touch on when we get into the news because uh, i don't want to all right well uh moving on from the weekend fab i think it's time for the uh news <laughs> that's <laughs> that's some high quality sound effects i'll have you know uh first things up on the news uh a special little uh little thing here a couple couple personal friends of ours uh drew cordell and davis kingsley better known as tower number nine were recently introduced as guest writers uh, to LSS directly on the Fab TCG page, and uh, these two are the first uh, non-LSS employees to be featured in articles. LSS will be uh, having guest writers throughout the ProQuest season uh, talk about uh, their experiences um, and their own personal uh, unique perspectives in the game while the ProQuest season is happening. And uh, Obviously, we're we're uh, we're members of a, a testing group where uh, Drew Cordell and Davis Kingsley are both uh, members of it. And uh, Tower Number Nine is uh, famous for his analytics, and uh, obviously he's helped that group out a lot. And Aaron Drew Cordell is known for his Guardian uh, play, and uh, he uh, is is definitely no slouch. And he has kicked my ass a few times. Uh, in that testing group uh, these days, and he's introduced his uh, Captain Crunch variant, which is making uh, making strides uh, in the meta as well. We won't uh, get too much into that right now, but these, uh, but yeah. So that's what I was gonna say. These all these different names for uh, Starvo decks are starting to sound like different strains of marijuana, like Captain Crunch. Yeah, you're and not. Captain you're Planet not wrong. And... You're not wrong. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny and. Uh, you know, we're we're kind of. I think it, I'm a little numb at this point to it, right? It's like, all right, Captain Crunch, that's this one. You know, Captain Planet, that's this one. These are deck variants. Um, but if I uh, I brought up Starvo uh, at the Everfest review video, and you know, everyone's looking at me like I got three heads, and it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I've been it for forever, and just uh, just the the lingo leaking out there. Continuing on. Uh, James White interviewed uh, recently. Uh, he had two different interviews, one with uh, with friend of the pod, Matt Flake, and the Instant Speed podcast. Matt Flake peppered him with some of the tougher questions uh, James White's been asked uh, in an interview, and uh, James White did not uh, hold back uh, on his answers. Very, very honest. Uh, touched a lot of topics. Uh, you know, so I know some people weren't exactly happy with all of his answers, but he did uh, did answer uh, those tough questions. 
And uh, he also uh, was interviewed in uh, Business uh, Magazine out of New Zealand, talked about a lot of things. Adam, I know you have a lot of details on both those things. Why don't you lay it on us? Yeah. uh, So for starters, found out that James White is a huge wrestling fan. I had no idea. Um, So anybody who's trying to... Are you are you a wrestling fan? I am not in the slightest bit a wrestling fan. You're not all right. All are right. you a wrestling fan? I am. I am a okay. huge wrestling. I was very happy to hear uh, James was a wrestling fan. He was a big. He's a big fan of an era that I do not like. I was a big Attitude Era guy and into uh, ruthless aggression, and then I was a big like ECW guy. And nowadays. I catch a lot of the highlights online. I <laughs> wrestling WWE is unwatchable garbage. AEW is pretty good right now. That's how I feel. That's my hot take on wrestling. Okay, um, but yeah, Happy James White is also a wrestling fan. Yeah, uh, and it sounds like uh, there's a few guys in the uh, LSS team that are wrestling fans and might be more common amongst flesh and blood than we realize mm-hmm. you know these uh i don't want to call them nerdy pursuits but you know there's once you like one thing like it there's there's, there's a lot of overlap into seemingly different uh industries hobbies and genres much more than one might think uh, initially now the real question is how many hockey fans out there are there I'm a, I, I come from uh, Massachusetts. We won a Stanley Cup in 2008, and that is okay. Still the the best playoff run I think I've ever seen. And I come, I'm spoiled. I got six Super Bowl rings. All right, <laughs> which I don't know. What do you got? Gray cups? Um, yeah, I, I mean, don't know how important. The, I don't know how important the Gray Cup is to to the country. Can Super Bowl is big. So I got six of those. I also got an NBA championship. I got a couple World Series. Uh, but that Stanley Cup run and Timmy Thomas in the net yep. during that run, that's it's it's the best best playoff hockey, best playoff run out of any team I've ever seen in any sport. Crazy. Wasn't Nothing beats it. that when he got the shutout in Game 7 to win it? I believe so. He got the... He got the goalie award uh, for the playoffs, which is very prestigious, whatever it's called. What's it called? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. We're oh. not that big. <laughs> I'm not a huge hockey. is like, ah, it's top four for me. So, but with the Bruins in the playoffs, playoff hockey is, is good. That's fair. Playoff hockey is always good hockey. Yeah. It is, especially when it's tight. No, no penalties. Give me, give me like a two-one game that was exciting for sixty minutes. Yeah, good to go. Hundred percent. But so, uh, as you were saying, James White likes wrestling. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> Did we ever? <laughs> just off, just off the rails, just into the water, out of the bridge. Everyone's dead. Train back on so on the, tracks. the James White interview. We learned about him being a wrestling fan. Uh, he also he spilled some beans uh, on 
some things we are getting coming up soon here. Uh, now we know the next set we don't we're not getting it actually till June, so we have a little bit to wait till that comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did find out that we're getting uh, another supplemental set before the end of the year. Uh, so another uh, another a crew three have you however you would say uh and then the if you've been paying attention on the product releases there's also another release get slated for q2 of 2022 uh it's just been highlighted with three question marks up until this point and james white kind of hinted that we're getting a starter deck as well a new starter deck and it's going to be like the the way he described it, at least, was that it's going to be a beefed-up version of the Ira starter deck. Um, that's really all we know at this point, but still exciting mm-hmm. to know that we're getting something that's going to be maybe a little more... Like, don't get me wrong, the Blitz decks that uh, they've printed for um, the the last two core sets have, were fine, uh, mm-hmm. but... Something a little more like the the Ira Welcome deck, um, mm-hmm. very niche, only playable against itself, but still a, a phenomenal deck to play and a very cheap deck to make. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so to see an expansion on that or something in that realm, uh, I think would be really cool. Um, who knows what we get? Uh, maybe we even see some new a new hero or some new equipment or, uh, uh, you know, that actually be a perfect time to release a new hero. Uh, a, a new, yeah, yeah, right. That you who, can only who get takes the place of of Ira at that point, right? They introduce a new new young hero that uh, does something cool. That's that's an exciting project. And that was, and in fact, I hadn't thought about right now. That actually leads into the next thing. Another thing that James White teased was that we are also going to get uh, to meet the first hero he ever made. We're finally going to get to meet the first hero he ever came up with this summer. Uh, So, yeah, either in the next core set or in that... uh, that uh, starter set box, whatever we get there. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Some, some cool stuff to look forward to. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I'm I am a fan of supplemental sets. I'm I'm happy that more more are coming. I think that's a great way to keep the non rotating product fresh. Right, inject those those little supplemental set. Yeah, hundred percent to it. Um, all right. After that, uh, we got some news uh, from LSS that uh, they have updated their comprehensive rules. Uh, they've released a preview of the comprehensive rules 2.0, uh, and that will come into effect uh, March 14th. So we'll have new comprehensive rules uh, for everyone to follow after 314. Um I do know as a as a Katsu main, one of my big worries is uh, Fine Center. Uh, the way that the comprehensive rules now read, equipment can now block Fine Center, which kind of hurts my feelings, makes me big sad. Uh, so I have until the 14th to figure out the Viscerai matchup. <laughs> <after> <laughs> <one>. <laughs> so, womp, womp, womp. 
Um, but yeah, until then, uh, they do have, I believe they call it the Comprehensive Rules 1.5 that are in fact na- uh, now. Um, but yeah, uh, Rules rules 2.0 uh, comes into effect uh, 3.14. Um, comprehensive Rules are pretty dry to read. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to a Cliff's Notes uh, uh, version or, or some sort of... Uh, companion text that uh, tells me tells me the uh, updates uh, so I don't have to go digging too far into them yeah yeah um yeah yeah what do you get what do you what do you think of 2.0 is uh have you seen anything other I I found the the rule that affects fine center and I know that there's still some controversy about whether or not it's permanent, it's in place, whether or not we'll have this come through. But other than that, I haven't seen anybody say anything about 2.0, so it tells me, for the most part, it's an intuitive update that just makes the game make more sense and add a little more detail where there wasn't. Yeah, and I guess, because I know in Comprehensive Rules 1.0 came out, uh, it, there was a lot of confusion and uh, it generated a lot of questions. Uh, in fact, uh, it generated confusion to the point where uh, there's a gentleman, oh shoot, don't know his name off the top of my head. He was a moderator for uh, the main, main uh, Flesh and Blood Discord and uh, kind of took upon himself to start uh, reading through and um, modifying the the comprehensive rules as needed to make them work. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it he he is interestingly enough he ended up getting to the point where he actually got recruited by LSS to become the official rules advisor. And that's why I should know his name. Um. I don't know if rules advisor is his, his, his title per se, but he's heavily involved with the rules at this point. And uh, so knowing th- that all that as the backstory of comprehensive rules 2.0, I have high expectations for it. I also believe mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a very good document. Um I don't think necessarily you need to read it front to back. It's probably to one of those things you can reference as needed over time. And especially if you already have a good idea of how the game works, it's probably something you just reference as needed and um, learn the game that way. Uh, I know maybe it is something if I feel impassioned enough to do, I might read through at some point, but we'll see. All right. Uh, Moving on, we have a whole slew of... Uh, major tournament announcements. Now, I this is a fairly detailed list, but not necessarily exhaustive. So I'll have that caveat added on initially. Uh, so uh, since the la- since our last recording, uh, several announcements. We have the Battle Hard in Philly, which part of SCGCon uh, that took place uh, this past weekend. At this point, yes. Um, that was the 12th and 13th of February. Uh, so that is behind us and we'll touch on the battle hard in Philly in just a moment. Uh, 
Also coming up is Battle Hardened UK. This takes place in uh, Leeds. Uh, the Royal Armory Museum in Leeds, hosted by uh, Living Realms. It is a blitz-constructed format uh uh, Battle Hardened, um, and it is taking place Sunday, March twenty, uh, March twentieth, twenty twenty two. Um, that's going to be one of the first uh, Battle Hardened events in Europe. Uh, Battle Hardened between Philly and the UK, uh, and the other ones, Battle Hardens, uh, give that upgraded PTI invite uh, that is eligible. That makes you eligible for things like uh, World Championships and Pro Tours. Uh, so. Exciting stuff coming up there. The Calling Indianapolis takes place the weekend of March 19th as part of SCGCon uh, dates taking place in that location as well. Calling Indianapolis is a classic constructed format uh, tournament. Uh, we love callings. They're supposed to be uh, something like 30 in 2022. Um so the first couple have been announced, and uh, I'm looking forward to more. Uh, but that is uh, the 18th through the 20th, Classic Instructed, as uh, well as the Calling in Indianapolis, a Battle Hardened and Day 2 uh, is happening uh, as well. Uh, going down, uh, the Calling Krakow Poland was just recently announced. Uh, Steelfer of Steelfer Speaks, uh, prolific UK Blood and Blood player uh, helped announce that. That is taking place the weekend of April 15th through the 17th, and that is also a Blitz format tournament. Uh, last but not least, uh, the big one, the doozy, Pro Tour New Jersey hey. has been in. And that is taking place May 13th through the 15th. Um, and let's dive into Pro Tour New Jersey. Uh, Pro Tour New Jersey is special because we have ProQuest season, and ProQuest season uh, has in-store ProQuest events where you get the PTI invite, where you are qualified specifically for Pro Tour New Jersey. So we're going to dive into it. It is taking place in the Meadowlands Expo Center uh, in Secaucus, New Jersey, the weekend of the 13th, uh, what did I say? Yeah, 13th through the 15th. Uh, the Friday Pro Tour begins... On Saturday, the calling begins, and on Sunday, the battle harden begins. So you have three days, three different style tournaments all happening, but the main event, of course, being uh, the Pro Tour there. Pro Tour New Jersey starts Friday, May 13th. Classic instructed format, eligibility, invitation required, rules enforcement at the professional level. Let's talk eligibility. The Pro Tour is an invitation-only event. Players can qualify for the Pro Tour in the following ways. Right? And uh, we'll just quickly read through all of this, and then we'll double back on these because we got some spicy stuff to talk about here. Obtaining invitation to Pro Tour New Jersey through an in-store ProQuest Season 1 event. Right? We're all we're playtesting for ProQuest Season. We can play these in-store events in hopes to get a uh, Pro Tour invite to Pro Tour New Jersey. Uh, so we have four weeks of those ProQuest events taking place. Redeeming a PTI, Professional Tournament Invitation, obtained from a previous event, such as The Calling. So if you top aided a calling, um, uh, what else would have there would there have been for, for that kind of PTI? I nationals. Forget. Yep, Nationals, right? Calling a Nationals, you got a PTI invite, you can use it for Pro Tour New Jersey. 
A player may gift for redemption up to one PTI for to another per another player per Pro Tour by emailing protour at fabtcg.com with your name and gem, player ID. I won't get into the weeds too much uh, in that one. The player gifting the PTI must send the email, yada, yada, yada. Please note that a gifted PTI must be used by the recipient to play at Pro Tour New Jersey. If the recipient does not attend Pro Tour New Jersey, the PTI will cease to exist. So, gifting PTIs is one thing. We're going to read through the rest, and we'll double back. Ratings-based invitations will be awarded based on the official leaderboards as of 1 p.m. Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022, New Zealand time. As follows, top 100 players, global 90-day XP. Top 100 players, lifetime XP. Ratings-based invites do not pass down and are valid only for Pro Tour New Jersey. Now, first, PTI being able to be gifted to another player. Adam, how do we feel about gifting PTIs? I mean, if 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 this is me, you know, you and I have tested very hard and... Uh, we go to a bunch of events, and uh, I manage to score two PTIs, and you don't score a single one. And we both are really intent on going to the ProQuest together. Then I can gift you a, P- uh, a PTI, and we can both go. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I see nothing wrong with that. Um, but that's not the reality. That's not how this is going to get used. This is going to be people. How, how much? How much do I have to pay you, Adam, for the gift of <laughs> and what's your what's your what's your price? That's exactly it. Is that the the concern is not whether these are being gifted, it's that whether these are being sold off. And uh, I know people have been speculating on how many PTIs are out there right now. Um, mm-hmm. There's more than people realize uh, because there were events that happened before and throughout the early portions of COVID that people forget about. Um, you know, there, there's a guy by the name of Jason Long who alone has four PTIs to his name. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Not to you know it does it's a definitely a slippery slope, right? Yeah. If you it's it's weird that they put it in there. It's weird that they didn't put restrictions on uh on doing a payout for PTI. Uh and it definitely has left kind of a sour taste in some people's mouth about the legitimacy of a Pro Tour event. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, because now it brings up the whole th- the whole element of, well, I worked hard to be here. This is supposed mm-hmm. to be, as far as I view the Pro Tour, um, my Canadian perspective, uh, this is the NHL of, of flesh and blood. Um, of course it is. This is, you know, <laughs> the NFL or, or MLB or much, NBA. Much better. Uh, you or uh, if we have any European listeners, you know they're 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 European football. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, world's most popular sport. I'm in the minority. And you know what? Uh, there's something to be said about soccer too, uh, as as I call it. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, this is supposed to be the best of the best for flesh and blood. And mm-hmm. 
to think that someone just bought their way in, um, yeah, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. For sure. Um, at the end of the day, uh, does that hurt the per, does that hurt the people who earned their way in? Definitely not. Because if somebody bought their way in and they didn't put the work in and they're not ready to be there, they're just going to get knocked out day one. They're done. And that's it anyway. So yeah, that's a very good point, right? You can be, if you, if you're Joe Blow with money to spend and you decide that you want to buy a PTI, right? And you find someone who agrees to do it. And then you say, all right, now I'm in Pro Tour, New Jersey. I need a deck. So you buy, you buy your deck and that's all well and good. But if you have not put in the time, right? This game, this game rewards familiarity and time on the mat so to speak uh with decks and going through the grind of play testing and learning right learning your deck learning the lines if if you think that you're going to come in just out of the blue warm body and do anything in a pro tour style event i think you who are a bold, bold person. I'll say that. <laughs> I don't think it's going to end well if that if that were the case. I also don't think that. Um, right, this is a pretty niche game. I'm sure there's somebody out there that has put in the work but couldn't quite get there for one reason or another, and uh, is willing to pay up for it. I don't see any of these going. I see maybe one or two of them going for free, but um, I'm sure there's a there's going to be a, a cost to to getting in there. And, you know, for this one, right, for the first one, you're, I get you're trying to get your numbers up. You know, you don't want to, you've, you have these people with multiple PTI slots. Um, it's, it, it becomes one of those things where if this is how you're going to use your PTIs, then they have to have something, I think, more productive as a conversion of unused PTIs, like, like turn it into something useful to the person other than just collecting these absent invites that just become a investment vehicle or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, turn that into something a little better than, than what this is. So for the short term, okay. But long term, right? If the Pro Tour is the NHL, right? The professional league at the highest level of, <laughs> of continued play, um, then uh, they need to, I think they need to clean it up a little bit and make it act like that. Part of that, right, is is introducing the pool of players that will be in that prestige league, right? Create your stories, create your, create your characters, and uh, allow them to become that pro league of flesh and blood. Which brings me to... Uh, XP related invites. So, as we touched on at the beginning here, someone I know uh, just cracked top 13 in Global 90 Day. So, do you, hey, how about this? Do you think that you'll be able to maintain top 100 through March 23rd? Well, as of 1 p.m. Wednesday, March 23rd, New Zealand time. As of March 23rd, we're February 18th right now, so just a little bit over a month. Uh, today, mm -hmm. as of today, I'm number 20 on the 90 day, and Ooh. I am number 
Hang on, I had it up here. Uh, number 49 on the uh, Lifetime. Um, Sounds pretty good. Both both of them are, are pretty good. I think I have it locked in. Um, I'd be... Uh, you know what? 90 Day could be volatile. Um, you can grind pretty hard. Um, I know there are those... Like, Kugani has that schedule where you can go and find all the international online events. And you know what? Mm-hmm. If you want to be a madman, grind 24-7. Do, do I think it's right. impossible to be knocked out of the 90 Day? No. Um, I think that would also involve me stopping playing altogether, which I'm not going to do. Uh, though I have right. taken a back a little bit, a backseat a little bit this past week. Uh, just due yeah. to uh, scheduling conflicts, but uh, through the, the next little bit, it looks like it's smooth sailing, so I should be able to play at a regular pace. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you think yeah. that um, those who do grind the online armories are exploiting the XP avenue for ProTor invites? Well, I think... It depends what you define as exploiting and what you define as grinding. Like, I, like me, I play in, on average, I try to play in an event per day. Uh, whether that be a local event or an online event, it's probably uh, 50-50 right now. Um, mm-hmm. And could I play more? Yes. Have I played more in the past? Yes. Um Am I happy with the pace I'm maintaining right now? Yes. Uh, with the pace I'm maintaining once a day, am I am I exploiting? I don't know. Um, am I taking away from anybody else's ability to play? I don't believe so. Um, am I helping... You know, I, and I mean, to, to that expect too, like, within what I'm doing, I... Whenever I encounter a new player, I try to be um, uh, welcoming and, you know, help show them what's going on and teach them and stuff. And with, you know, uh, within that, you know, there are those people who, when they grind, they shark and they ask, you know, people to scoop for them and they ask, you know, they, they, they take advantage of new players and I'm not doing any of that. So it, yeah. there's so many angles to look at. Like, I mean, it, it really becomes its own philosophical debate mm-hmm. and we don't have the time to get into it that degree, but like yeah. ba- based off of everything I just presented at you, where do you, what what do you think? Where would you draw the line? In terms of the XP, um, I I think that so I come from the the online only style of play, right? This I do not have locals around me to to do this, so the online armory is my only avenue for an armory style event and i suffer through uh randomized uh, prize support because of that um and it rue the day um but in in order to get to the top 100 in you know uh, obviously in lifetime xp it, it is exponentially harder and at this point i think to move into lifetime xp is probably tied to these high high level events at this point, right? People who can get into the Pro Tour are probably who are going to be cracking that. But the global ninety day XP 
you have to play into these events and you have to win them. You have to win a significant amount of them too. So you have to display your skill. And at that point, you you have to give the opportunity for someone who can only play online the way to do the, you know to a way to to get there and and get entry into these these things. Otherwise, why do you have XP in the first place, right? So Obviously, when you when you introduce something like this, there's going to be like a spectrum, right? There's going to be a low end, casual, armory, once a week, local new player, and there's going to be the upper tier of that where you get into COVID lock Asian countries who play thirteen armories a week, and it just so happens, you know, that's that's what they're that's what they do, that's their lifestyle, that's how they play, and their XP shows it and there's nothing anyone can really do about that because at the end of the day they play those games and they win those games they're not doing anything uh they haven't been allowed to uh i do believe you know there's like there's that moral code right i mean as long as you're doing it legitimately then all good if if there's any kind of chicanery uh you know in terms of sharking or anything else like that i think then you could uh you can make a case for uh, excluding some people, but I'm good with this. I think this is one of those things as well. The top 100 players on the uh, based on XP uh, helps grow what that pro tour is going to be. It uh, starts to introduce people into, into that pro tour roster and allows uh, a greater variety of uh, players uh, in for the, for the short term. So I am more supportive of XP based invites than I am of gifted invite. Now I think we'll, we'll yeah, go ahead. Now I know, uh, sorry, I know want to wrap up on this subject, but I know a lot of people are like, well, what about ELO? ELO is supposed to be the professional Mm -hmm. rank, whatever. And People have said, why didn't they use ELO instead of XP? And I think now there is the argument that XP is probably more valid, legitimized than ELO is right now because not enough people have had access to ELO. But I think it still feels bad for the people who are at the top of the ELO boards and who have worked hard for that and who... Maybe, I mean, I would expect that anybody who's at the top of an ELO board probably is also doing fairly well on XP, Mm -hmm. but, or should have a fairly good shot at winning a pro quest, but it's just something to point out and something to contemplate. Um, I know one thing that I thought that they could have done maybe differently that could have made sense would have been awarding invites only to the top 100 lifetime, uh, XP and then awarding the other 100 to ELO participants or mm-hmm. you know maybe the to the top 190 day and to ELO participants or something like that uh and yeah. balancing it out that way but um mm-hmm. just just a, another angle a little bit of food for thought well there are in terms of the pro quests there are I recreate is there 250 pro quest season uh, events across the world. Yes, there are over 250 ProQuest events. So in the hypothetical situation that every single one of those people won their ProQuests and everyone was different, right, and then went to Pro Tour New Jersey, there's 250 potential players from ProQuest Season 1. 
redeeming a PTI, I don't know how many people are there. But I do know that there's also 100 invited on Global 90 Day, and there's 100 invited on Lifetime, which brings it to at least 250, 350, 450. There's 450 plus high-level PTIs on there, which brings it to between five and 600 at that point. That is a lot of, I don't know what the average pro tour is supposed to look like, but they're asking 500 people to enter this event and be in this tournament. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how that, uh, how that comes through, how many people actually attend there. I don't think everyone who wins a PTI is going to get in there. Um, just based on the logistics of getting to New Jersey from wherever you are, uh, with that time frame. Yeah. So, um, moving on to uh, just the prize note. This is a pro tour, so just quickly through the uh, through the prizing. Uh, champion gets twenty five thousand uh, dollars USD. A pro tour champion prize card, which is sounds spicy, and uh, gold legendary of their heroes class talent and a PTI invite. Uh, finalist ten thousand dollars, and down from there sixty five hundred, three thousand. Uh, 1500 for 9th through 16th, 750 for 13th through 22nd, uh, 32nd. Top 32 get a PTI. Uh, top 8 get a gold foil legendary of their heroes class and talent. Um, and on top of all of that, I just want to note that the calling New Jersey is giving away the to the champion of the Calling New Jersey, which takes place, starts on Saturday, um, ends on Sunday. The last ever gold cold foil extended art Findel spring tunic is on the line at the Calling. Fancy. So I imagine, I'm curious to know if there's an avenue where you can be invited to the Pro Tour, play, scrub out day one, join <laughs> and join the Calling. <laughs> And get in there, but of course, if you scrub out on the calling after that, then you can you always the battle play hardened. the battle hardened. Yep. Oh, the triple um, scrub out special. And the triple scrub out special ends with a world championship invite. <laughs> who who wins more at that point? All right, so that's what we got for the news. And uh, now it's time for the main topic, Adam. What what are we talking about this week? We are talking about uh, Everfest. Um, our first impressions, uh, things we've noticed that have exceeded our expectations, things that haven't lived up to our expectations. Um, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, the meta is still very much developing, but we've mm-hmm. been now, thankfully, through things like uh, TTS mods, we've been able to play with some of these cards before they've even been released. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think people are starting to get an idea of what, uh, what feels good, what works. And, uh, we wanted to take a look at that and, uh, break, see if we could break it down a bit for everyone listening. Sure. Um, now I think a good place to start. We just had the, the battle hardened Philly recently. Uh, Pat, do mm-hmm. you have the results handy there? I do. I've got a top eight, top four, and a winner. So let's yeah. let's dive into that. Uh, so the top eight of the Battle Hearted Philly it was the first uh, classic constructed uh, big time event hosted at SCG Con. Um, it had 
in the top eight, five Bravo Star of the Shows, a.k.a. Starvo. Uh, two Chains and one Briar, uh, which is always always fun to see. The top four of that was three Starvos and one Chain, and the winner was Charles Dunn on Bravo Star of the Show, and I believe he faced Chain in the finals of that of that tournament. But Bravo Star of the Show wins out uh, at the Battle Heart in Philly, taking taking the world by storm. So I think you you can't have any discussion about the new meta post Everfest without talking about Bravo Star of the Show, and I think two deck variants colloquially known as Captain Planet, Captain Crunch. He, Bravo, Starvo, whatever you want to call him, is definitely a huge power going into, coming out of this uh, battle hardened and going into the first week of ProQuest. Uh, he... I think the, the first thing to note is that it turns out giving an, giving an attack action plus two, dominate and go again, it's a pretty pretty good thing. Yeah, crippling crush for thirteen dominate go again into some sort of hammer swing. Like that's ugh. That's Oof. gross. Um and yeah, like this hero has has access to the biggest card pool of any hero in the game. Mm-hmm. And that alone means A he he can do some crazy things like he can do a lot of dynamic things hence why we're seeing the different variations you know captain crunch mm-hmm. captain planet um but the numbers are, are are backing up what all these different decks can do like um if if you build the deck right and you play the deck right uh that uh that uh, that hero ability is quite powerful Right, right, and uh, so the two the two variants that we're we're talking about here, uh, so Captain Planet is the called the more infamous one at this point, right? It was showcased for the first time uh, on a stream tournament uh, from Out of the Box Gaming in North Carolina, uh, and uh, it went eight zero. Uh, it was originated by a fellow named Matt W. Uh, yeah, and uh, we may we may have gotten a bit of a preview of this deck in the weeks prior, uh, so we had an idea that it might have been might have been coming. Uh, but after we went eight and zero on stream, um, right? It it went vi- as viral as a uh, cat as a was f- out the bag. Blood. Yeah, cat was out. Right? It it, it came out. Uh, the list itself was reverse engineered. Uh, by a few high-profile players, Rob Seigel, uh, Rob Seigel and uh, Tariq Patel, uh, put yep, it on, yep, yep. Uh, ch- played it on Channel Fireball. Um, the list itself was was uh, was brought up uh, on the main Flesh and Blood Discord. Like things, things, it happened, right? Um, Word planet, gets planet around cap- quickly. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Flesh and Blood is kind of notorious for that kind of thing too, right? Like it's. Uh, we are such a tight knit network and i love it um it is and it's um uh you know this 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 kind of thing happened with briar uh when it when it came out as well you know it it came out it turns out it does really well and then everyone everyone who could grabbed it 
right? And Captain Planet, uh, Starvo, uh, coming out with the Battle Hardened, uh, you know, showed up in pretty good numbers here. And, uh, uh, and it ends up, you know, ends up, it's, it's, it's really, really good. So the, I, uh, just wanted to touch on the variants just a little bit here. So Captain Planet is, elemental based and its focus is getting the reveal criteria met as often as possible right it, it focuses on uh, a ratio of uh, earth ice and lightning cards and uh, less guardian specific cards and tries to hit that uh, that reveal to give plus two dominate and go again multiple times per game. Uh, there is a more traditional feeling variant that wants to hit that maybe once or twice a game, uh, but focuses on just being happy with the large card pool and uh, fantastic equipment suite. Um, so those are your two main variants. I think you're going to see those uh, basically for the rest of the meta being tuned up uh, to face whatever comes their way. And I'm sure we're going to see other variants as well. Um, yeah, there's I, just too, there, there's too many cards. I, I want the lightning build. I want, I want, Oh, entwined lightning, lightning surges. I want everything. I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure that build exists and I'm sure there is a, a, a captain ice build and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, I have like, ice. All right, or or Mister Free, like Mister Freeze, or ah, whatever. Yes, there we go. I that's just I was I wanted Mr. to stick Freeze. with the Captain theme that so far, but Mister <laughs> Freeze, yeah, would uh, maybe that's something we should be working on. I don't know. Uh, yeah. the, the and, branding and the Flash, the, branding. the oh, Flash deck. All right, yep, I'll give you Flash. All right, um, I do have. So I talked in. I talked in. Is the there a Captain America how, uh, deck? It's got to be. <laughs> I've I've wanted one. It, I need. Red, white, I need some. What would be red, white, I, and blue about it? I need. I need someone who can throw a shield for damage before I can make. Oh, a true that cut. would be so cool. That's what I need. This, the shield weapon is where I will go full Marvel. Uh, on my flesh and blood deck building. Believe me, I have been. It is. It has been churning <laughs> ever since. Uh, shields were introduced. That's like it's only a matter of time. Um, so there are other decks, uh, other than Starvo here. Um, we do know that the you know the the meta is kind of surrounding. So maybe not so much represented in in the top eight of of Battle Hardened, uh, but we will touch on on more of that top eight and uh, some of these other decks here as we go, but. Um, it does seem that like just before Battle Hardened, uh, uh, we'll call it the triad kind of rose up, right? There's three main heroes that seem to be what you'd be considered tier one, right? You'd have Viscerai, Prism, and then Guardian in some form, uh, seem to be tier one. Is that, is that, is that track with you? Yeah, I'd agree with that for the most part. Um, I, I think maybe you could be a little broader to say uh, you had Prism, you had Guardian, and you had Runeblade. Because, um, mm-hmm. yes, Viscerai has been in the hot seat and in the spotlight lately, but Briar, I mean, 
Briar did had a top eight at uh, in, yeah. in Philly, yeah. and so did Chain. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. Chain especially, uh, I, I Briar as well, but Chain especially is is not one to be counted out. Uh, I think he is a lot more powerful than people give him credit for. So. Um, yeah, I to yeah. Though I, I, I can it does seem it does it does seem that Chain is is once again making a comeback and uh, emerging as as another contender for for a top meta deck. I well, do think it has well, some matchup deficiencies here and there, but. In the Seeds you know, of if, Agony banning article, LSS even said so themselves. They still expect, expect Chain to be a relevant uh, presence in the yeah. meta, and, uh, and it has been. And it was. And right, that, uh, U.S. Nationals, right, was, yep. uh, it was two Runeblades, but that a Chain made uh, top uh, top two with uh, Michael yeah, Fang. Michael Fang, yeah. In, uh, yep. in Nationals, and Tariq Patel obviously won that with his Briar list, uh, but... Uh, you know, that, that was one of those things where it was like, Hey, what there's, here's chain, you know, climbing the leaderboards and, you know, making top cuts and, and showing up in the finals of another high profile tournament. And this is, uh, I feel like one of the few ones, uh, that prism hasn't shown up, especially, uh, recently prism seems to be kind of disrespected a little bit, but then, uh, uh, shows up to these high-level tournaments and clears house, and the this battle-hardened event is kind of the first one where Prism hasn't been well re- represented in the top eight. Yeah, and I Prism, I'm more so on the fe- more and more on the fence. Um, Prism used to have a really good matchup into into uh, well, didn't have a great matchup into Briar, but did have a good matchup into to Viscerai, which um, the the Prism Viscerai matchup has grown easier for Viscerai. Uh, Briar, I'm not certain about right now. Chain uh, is still fatigable, um, but if you're building yeah. just for for chain fatigue, that makes you weaker in other ways. So, yeah, Prism. Prism might don't get me wrong. There's some good things going on there, but I I don't know that Prism's going to be the powerhouse people initially thought she might be. Uh, Anger the Prism players. You know, I am a Prism (laughs) player. I I want her to be good. I want her to be the best deck. Like just because that'd be so much fun. But yeah, that's just the reality of it. Um, And I mean, as far as being a a kitchen table player or a casual player, yeah, Prism's fine. Pick Mm -hmm. up Prism, jam her out, and you'll have fun. Um, But as far as, like, competitive, like, what are we taking to Pro Tour, yeah, I don't know if it's Prism right now. Yeah. I will say, the commonality I see between the top decks here is versatility and equipment. I think Starvo having the deep equipment and Runeblade having the deep equipment, I think, makes all the difference in the world and uh, yes i think is is uh one of the major factors there real quick pro quest week one coming up right now if you gun to your head you're going tomorrow who are you bringing uh you know what i you know up until so your powers combined I am 
Captain Planet? <sighs> I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah, that that is a consideration. I am between I'm between Captain Planet, Viscerai, and Chain, I think. Mm, mm. You know what? Same. But if I were going tomorrow, I would bring Captain Planet. Okay. Yeah, you know what? If I was going tomorrow, Captain Planet's probably a good a good bet. I don't think the meta's ready for him yet. Um I think he's he's beatable, but I just don't think people are are, are, are quite ready for it yet. Uh yeah. unfortunately I'm not going tomorrow. I'm not even going next week. I'm going like in March, so Yeah, yeah. I got two weeks. Two weeks from now. So I am I am dialed in. I'm looking. Uh I'll have an opportunity to make a decision and then pivot before before it goes on. <laughs> All right, real quick before we move on, is there any hero out there that people aren't talking about that you think has more of a chance uh, than people might realize? Um, are people talking about Dash? Uh, I mean, I know I know people who are tinkering around with Dash, but is mm-hmm. the grand the grand on the in the grand spectrum are we looking at dash because uh, dash uh, if starvo is dominating the meta dash might be a good counter there um i dash. i wonder if ice lexi um something mm-hmm. that um something that can can tax and disrupt that that could be good uh, or just ice in general i'm wondering even ice bravo um ice starvo i, I should say word right there that you brought up right disruption right what what can disrupt these uh yeah these super powerful super swingy like, like in ranger chilling ice vein is such a good disruption card uh because if typically somebody's azalea. going no right. well, well azalea <laughs> dread bore you know what? Pummel the battering bolt. Play a try shot. Play a three of a kind. Go ham. Ah, we, we cracked the code. We did it. Who's building Azalea for ProQuest? I'm not. Level up. All right. So it is time for a level up moment of the week. And this week we are talking card evaluations. Adam, tell me a little bit about evaluating cards in flesh and blood yeah uh i think with the new set coming out uh i think this is uh, or the the supplementary set coming out i think this is a great uh a a great topic to dip into uh kind of help you get uh an idea on how good a card is and how usable a card is uh i know sometimes it can be information overload and uh not knowing where to start uh can be uh quite daunting to some players um a few things right off the bat uh I like to list out, uh, there's a few fundamentals that LSS follows when they design their cards. Um, And you'll notice that now, for the most part, a card will either block for three or block for two. Uh, However, if it's an instant, it won't block at all. There are some brute cards that don't block as well either. Uh, Then beyond that, there's a damage matrix. Uh, typically at red, we see zero for four, one for five, two for six, and so on. Uh, these things right away 
are ways that you can kind of start to evaluate a card and try to figure out if it's good or not. Because uh, if you're looking at an attack, let, let's say we look at something very iconic. Uh, I know this is kind of an easy one, but I think it's still a really good one to break down because understanding why this card is good is a great way to then understand what can make other cards good. Uh, Command and Conquer. Command and Conquer, for starters, is a generic, uh, so it is playable in every single class. That's pretty good. Uh, then if we look at the defense value, well, it blocks for three. That right away is um, way better than anything that blocks for two. You might think two to three isn't much, but when you look at the spectrum of four cards, uh, if each card blocks for two versus each card blocks for three, that's four extra points of damage. So three makes a big difference. Then beyond that, um, it's two resources for six damage, two for six. That is uh, a very standard rate of damage. Uh, so just without anything else, a, a red two for six blocks for three sounds not bad. If I need that and to, if, if I needed that to in my deck because I don't have anything else, I'm happy to run it. So now we look at the text on it. We look at what it does. It does, and it, it does two two amazing things. A, you can't play defense reactions to it, and B, if it hits, it destroys all cards in our arsenal. Wow, like that is what blows that card out of the water, and what makes it as strong as it is. But Breaking it down and looking at all the different things it does helps you understand why, when when all the pieces comes together, it's as strong as it is. So then we can look at um, a card like. Let me let me throw something at sure. you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Why, you know what card I love? I love playing uh, Scar for Scar, right? Scar for Scar, red attacks for four. Cost zero, blocks for two, gains go again if uh, if your life is below your opponent's. Why why don't people play Scar for Scar blue? Because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it does. What what makes it what makes it suck? Well. What kids? What it? I, you know what? I don't even think I've ever looked at a scar for a scar blue. I'm trying to think what it comes in for. It, it blocks it, for it two. Attacks, attacks for two. It attacks for two. Yep. You know what? Okay, so here's the thing: is and this is where the and this falls into part of card evaluation. This is a more mm -hmm. situational thing. Depending on the deck, in a pinch, it's not the worst card. Like if you're looking at a, a Kadachi based ninja deck. Yeah, if yeah. you were playing sealed, it's a great resource card all of a sudden because it's a zero pitch, it's a zero discard, and oh, sure. that you're selling you're selling me on blue scar for scar. I didn't think this is where this would go. <laughs> but 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 just like that is the absolutely only the the only place where you would play it. Like would I play blue scar for a scar and guardian? Oh yeah, it's a blue sure, but. Like right off the bat, Guardian wants three blocks, and th this is a two block. This is terrible in Guardian. Um, mm -hmm. On top of that, um, this doesn't trigger an Othos. Uh, it doesn't trigger. There's so many things this doesn't trigger. 
Um, like, so, and I, I think that, 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 that is a piece of card evaluation though. Um, mm-hmm is also is being but it's a deeper piece of card evaluation is is the situational yeah. ability of the ability to situationally evaluate and that's that doesn't come overnight like just like uh, the yeah. the first step is reading the card and <laughs> it's funny mm-hmm. cuz that sounds so pedantic even like read the card like of course that's what you're supposed to do but when you actually take the time to 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 read it and and to contemplate it and go okay what does this do what does this pitch for what does this defend for what does this attack for oh this doesn't attack okay what does it do then it's a non-attack action it's an instant it's an attack reaction it's a defense reaction like once you start to take the time to just s- contemplate and even let those ideas simmer a bit that can do so much to help with your card evaluation but you need to know what to look for and what to read what what to read and that's where having those understanding of things like um mm-hmm. the card you know the the damage matrix and how lss balances cards uh mm-hmm. helps you decipher and, and cipher through that information and figure out what is potentially good and what possibly isn't Definitely. And I think we can apply uh, these evaluations uh, into our deck building, right? So um, <clears throat> as we're looking at these cards and you talking about their situational uh, usefulness, uh, you know, we start to examine things like, um, you know, in general, we're especially when you're breaking down uh, a card's worth in a deck. If I bring up the Scar for Scar example, we know that Flesh and Blood is a tempo-based game, but that tempo is represented in a slightly different way than perhaps other other types of uh, games. So I bring I bring up the blue Scar for Scar, right? So it costs zero and it attacks for two. Um, and you, when you attack with that one card, right? You've you've spent one card from your deck in order to, you know, you've, you've done it, right? You placed it down. You've done the thing uh, they can block right with one single card and, you know, tempo hasn't, it, everything's balanced, right? You've attacked with one. They've blocked with one. Everything's, everything's great. If you take the red scar for scar and now it attacks for four, right? What is the maximum, uh, that a single ac- action card can block for, right? It's three, right? Which means that the scar for scar, attacking for four demands uh an additional if you need to block completely it demands an additional card from your opponent um you know if you accumulate that kind of specific pressure for your one card every one of their two uh you you are maintaining a tempo advantage throughout throughout the game right and part of our Part of this dance we do in Flesh and Blood is trying to figure out how our <clears throat> how our uh, how our decks can find those those critical uh, those critical ways to uh, gain tempo. Uh, but as we go into kind of the specifics on those things, one of the things that we're looking at, of course, is uh, you know hero specific uh, abilities, right? So in in uh, usefulness, so we talk about blue pitch. You know, where is blue pitch uh, used? 
uh, it, you know, where is it found to be most useful, right? So we bring up things like Bravo and Wizard who, you know, live and die off of uh, Blue Pitch, right? Bravo, because they're, the cost of their big attacks are just so high. Um, and Wizard, because they, uh, you know, Kano's ability is uh, uh, three resources, right? It's three resources, right? I don't know if I've ever looked at Kano's. Yes, Kano's, uh, okay. Kano's ability is yes. three resources. <laughs> right. Wizard player, tell me more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they, uh, you know, both of those both of those characters utilize blue in, in very different ways uh, at that, right? So Bravo cares that attacks, uh, that cards cost three uh, or more to play. And it matters that they're blue because it needs to be able to pay for what he wants to do. And if we look at something like Prism, um, you know, with Luminaris, Luminaris in play, uh, cards with yellow pitch become super relevant to them. So when you're making an evaluation of this card would be best in, in this deck, uh, if you take, you know, Prism's yellow pitch example, uh, you know, you're you're putting a premium now on the red and blue slots because your main deck runs around yellows, right? So are you going to give up a yellow slot uh, for another red? That's a decision that you have to make in those cards. When you're evaluating that card in a hero-specific sense, uh, things like that come up. Um, Flesh and Blood is also one of the the, uh, 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 card games where I think ratio, you know, the talk of ratio and numbers comes into play. Um, And I bring up Katsu... Uh, as an example, um, Katsu wants a blue pitch in hand every turn, right? But it only wants one. Uh, everything else should be a threat. So how do we get there? We talk about ratios. We try to get to a sixty card, you know, sixty card minimum deck. Not every not every hero wants to be sixty cards. That's a level up for another day. But if we talk sixty card decks, the I, you know, what are the odds of getting one blue card in that deck, right? you want to draw one in four cards and there's 25% chance and a 60 card deck is 15 of those cards, right? If you put it in one of those calculator tumblers, you you want whatever would give you 25% chance of drawing that card or a one in four uh, chance. So, you know, looking at those ratios, uh, becomes super relevant and uh you know so we bring up katsu wants the one blue pitch that means 15 blue pitches if you want to assure yourself based on the odds that something like that's going to happen um and yeah the, you know we can go into the rabbit hole for a, a lot of different things but i think that's a a good a good spot to uh to end the level up moment for this week no i think the takeaways on my end are just yeah understanding Understanding the damage matrix, understanding how the cards are balanced, mm-hmm. and then using that as the basis to kind of start your evaluation, and then reading. I, I can't stress it enough. Like reading the card. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I would some some recommended watching in terms of card evaluation. Not to you know plug other things more than as is going in gaming, but uh, Team Covenant has a. Uh, fab, fab foundation a fab foundation series and uh one of their first episodes I, I don't know if it's one or two they talk about tempo in flesh and blood and they talk about the card matrix and they go like two and a half hours into why three block matters and it's uh you know in 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 other other things but it's a uh uh a very good watch 
to understand in really super in depth about that, uh, but what we're talking about here. So I recommend uh, giving it a watch uh, to you people I'm trying to talk about level up, level up by watching flesh and blood content. God, I mean, we're even constantly leveling up ourselves. So, oh yeah, right. It uh, it happens all the time. One of those. Yeah, I, I mean, every time we play a game, we take away something from a win or a loss like that, and we become better players. That's that's the name of the game, right? Yeah. Put in the reps, and, and that's where all this comes with time, right? You don't you don't need to be an expert on any one of these things here, but as you play the game and get familiar with it, these concepts, even if you didn't had no like if you didn't put a name on it, like the damage matrix, um, you get a sense for it, and it starts becoming something that you understand right you start speaking the language and uh those things you start to pick those things up yeah yeah 100 percent. but i think that brings us into the end of episode nine of uh the combat chain podcast uh oh yeah did we, we do it we did We're it almost we did it uh, are we jinxing it uh, i hope oh not. god i hope crash not. well if it crashes on my end Nothing happens. No, uh, everything look. We're we're looking good so far. I think it's smooth sailing. I see clear skies as we head on into the end of the of the of, of the podcast. Uh, as always, uh, we are on all major media platforms: uh, Spotify, Apple Music, um, wherever you consume podcasts. Um, we are also on YouTube, and uh, in fact, uh, on the topic of YouTube, we are uh, we will be having a gameplay video going up shortly. Um, something uh, a little different um, than what uh, I think a lot of other people have showcased. So uh, excited for everyone to see that! Uh, and if you can take the time to like and subscribe on our YouTube, uh, we're doing a, a little subscriber giveaway right now to get to a hundred, hundred subscribers, uh, say that five times fast. Uh, and when we get to that hundred mark, uh, we're going to be giving away, um, some, uh, BCW sleeves, uh, some game genic deck boxes and a, uh, cold foil data doll. So like and subscribe that's how you get into that um pat anything else uh you can find our patreon at the link below we are the combat chain uh on uh patreon a little hard to search for but i believe we'll have the link there uh you know we're we're young and up and coming uh channel and podcast and uh you know we're any any support is appreciated uh, especially to to help uh, offset the cost of of uh, doing this kind of content, and uh, you know, as as we're growing here, we'll be you know looking to dive into more features on Patreon and uh, uh, you know expanding that presence and uh, uh, you know making it making it, making uh, the bang for your buck uh, worth it. Um, but we do uh, obviously support any, or we appreciate any support that you uh, can can give us. And uh, you know, shameless plug, give us give us money on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Um, That's right. I am love the Twitter birds. We we are uh, at 
the combat chain and then I am at bomb toolery TCG and Pat is at Pat smash good. That's right. And I think that it for the shameless plugging. I think so. I think so. All right. Well, with that, until next week, uh, we're uh, closing the combat chain. Three or after three? What do you <laughs> want?